There is not a square inch in the world domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Do you ever notice all of the messages about secrets that surround us? Messages that if you just got these diet secrets that nobody is willing to tell you, you will be better off. Messages that the secret of how to, how to parent, that if you use this one secret, all your kids will fall into the line and everything will be okay. That one secret regarding your finances, that if you just do this one trick, you'll get ahead. You ever notice that we're just kind of surrounded by people telling us their secrets that nobody's telling you. If you just got this one product, if you just followed this one trick, if you just did this one thing. And it would be one thing if people said, here's the secret of history that nobody told you in school. But it becomes really, I think, damaging when that comes into the church, into spiritual conversations, into ultimately discipleship. Here's the secret that nobody's willing to tell you. And unfortunately, the church and Christianity can have that same idea of, here's the secret. I will tell you what nobody else will tell you. You have to come in this way, in with this this trick, this one thing is going to do it. We're in the middle of a series, walking through the book of Colossians called Supreme, how Jesus is supreme over every square inch. But when Paul wrote to the Colossians, they had people coming into their church and saying, there are secrets that nobody is telling you. There are secrets that God has withheld from you. And we will we'll clue you in. We will tell you the trick to get out of your despair. We will tell you the trick on how to really ascend to another level spiritually. We will tell you the trick of how you can really please God. We'll let you in on the secret. Today I want to show you in Colossians chapter 1 and the beginning of verse, or in the beginning of chapter 2, how Paul addresses that idea that there is some secret that nobody's telling you. He hits it head on, and I want to show, I want to show you that today. Go ahead and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, 21. I'm following. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn with me. If you don't, there are Bibles in the seat in front of you or the verses are going to be on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, help us to hear what you have to say is the secret that you have now revealed. And so it's now not a secret to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae. It's a small town. 
There were other churches in the other small towns around there, and Paul writes several letters, but the, the, one that he, the thing that he needs to address as he writes to the Colossians is this idea that there is this secret, this secret relationship between the physical and the spiritual world, and we have to, by secret means, ascend into the spiritual world to know the truths of God. And so what Paul's going to say today in, in this letter is that he's going to call us to dig into Christ for all the secrets of God. He's going to say, let me make this extremely plain. The treasure that you need, the secrets that you need are going to be found in Christ. And what I want to show you is four actions. Four actions for us to dig into Christ in these verses. Verses 21 and 23 tell us, find your security in Christ. Dig in and find your security in Christ. Verse 21, now I rejoice, I'm sorry, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul comes and says, once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds, your enemies in your actions. This was the, sta- the status that you were once in. These people that come in and say, well, your real problem is you're unfulfilled in this way. Your real problem is you haven't ascended in this way. He says, no, your actual problem is you were once alienated from God in your mind and in your actions. And the secret is that God reconciles sinners who are alienated to himself. Doesn't, and, and then he begins to explain what does that look like. You were once alienated. Now you are going to be blameless, free from accusation, so that nobody can say, well, you haven't done this. You've held out and you've not done, gone this far. You don't know this secret. You, you need to go and you do these kinds of things. Paul says, no. Because you have been reconciled by Christ's physical body, nobody can accuse you of not being good enough not going far enough, not being able to come to God, you are now blameless and free from accusation. And he's, he says, if you continue in, the God, the, in your faith, establish and firm, not moving from the hope held out in the gospel. Let's not mistake that he's saying, well, there's this thing that you have to do to get there. No, the gospel is something that is outside of you. The gospel is something outside of you, a faith and hope that we hold on to in Christ. And that is how we can find security in Christ. I think that's the ultimate idea behind being reconciled to God and free from blame, free from accusation. Is that we actually can be reconciled to God and know that it is for real and that it is permanent. So many of us grow up with these ideas that love is conditional. Some of, many of us grow up with these ideas that my parents will love me as long as I meet this list of things that I'm supposed to do to please them. And when I break those things, then I'm not good enough and they're unhappy with me and they are disgusted with me. So many people have grown up with this idea that that's how God is. That God is disgusted unless we do enough stuff and unless we stop doing all of these other things that we're supposed to stop doing. Paul says here, you can find security in Christ. So that nobody can accuse you. You can be reconciled to God, blameless and free from accusation. And so he calls us, can we find a security in Christ? That's the secret. 
Security doesn't come from a, a husband or a wife, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that, that satisfies me and gives me security. Security doesn't come from a bank account or a retirement account that's now big enough. It doesn't come from self-sufficiency. It doesn't come from preparing for disasters. Finding security does not come from anything out there that we could do or that we could grasp or that somebody could say about us. We can actually find security in Christ. And so don't listen to anybody that lies to you and says, this is the way to be blameless. This is the way to be secure. This is the way to come to God. Unless they are saying, it is Christ who has reconciled you by his physical body. My favorite Christmas gift that I got this year was my weighted blanket. A few of you guys know that I love my weighted blanket. Uh, it's 15 pounds of sand sewn into this, the cover of this. And I know a few of you also got weighted blankets this last year for Christmas. Uh, and I have this theory about what is going on with these weighted blankets. I first heard about it in the context of bodybuilding and bodybuilders using weighted blankets. And I thought, are they like working out in their sleep? What is happening with these weighted blankets? Like, this is kind of extreme when you can't even rest. And, but then the person explained that actually it's people who are in anxiety end up finding that a weighted blanket helps them feel that they're not alone, calms them down so that they can finally shut their mind off and go to sleep. It's the same idea that in thunder shirts that they make for dogs. Dogs that are anxious in storms and they put weighted shirts on the dog so that the dog is reminded he's not alone, there's somebody here, you're okay. And so even though I, I love my weighted blanket, one of the things that goes through my mind as I lay on the sofa and I cover my body and my head with this weighted blanket is this is actually never going to make it be okay. I'm never actually going to be secure because of a weighted blanket or because of a person or because of a situation. This passage says you can find security in Christ. Full stop. It is, it is a lie. It is a lie that, there will, that God will ever be pleased with us because of some list of things we could bring to him. It is a lie that God will ever love us because God, look at all these things that I've done for you. This is a, it, the only way that we can actually be reconciled and welcomed is because Christ has given himself for us. And because he has done that, we can actually find security in Christ. And nothing else can add to that. So don't listen to the lies, the secrets that says, here's the way to security with God. Unless it says, this is Christ given for you. The, for, the second action that we find in this passage, to dig into Christ is to suffer with Christ. Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. This, this verse, Paul says, I actually rejoice in the things that I'm suffering I'm writing to you from prison. I have been beaten. I have been stoned. I have been snake bitten. I have been accused. I have been lied about. I have been undermined. But I rejoice that I am suffering these things for your sake. We read that and go, what does he mean? Christ's suffering needs to be filled up. That Jesus didn't suffer enough? What is the point that he's making? Paul, when he met Jesus... Heard the words in Acts 9. Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Saul, why are you persecuting me? What Paul realized in that moment, what he heard from the lips of Jesus, is that the sufferings of the church are the sufferings of Jesus. And that there will not become a moment where, Jesus, where the sufferings of Jesus' church, where, where Paul's sufferings are not felt intensely by Jesus. I sometimes hear preachers say, when you sin, you're crucifying Jesus all over again. When you sin, you're crucifying Jesus all over again as this image, well, you should stop sinning so that Jesus doesn't have to suffer. We don't see that message in the Bible. What we do find in the message of the Bible is that Jesus suffers when his people suffer. Jesus suffers when we suffer. Jesus suffers when Paul is in prison. And it's going to take that kind of suffering for the gospel to go to the entire world. So what is the... the, the sufferings that are not complete. It is the idea that Jesus is suffering in and with his people as the gospel goes out to the ends of the earth. And so it, embedded in that is this, this call for us to not suffer alone and to say, oh, here I am. My marriage is crumbling. Here I am being persecuted and accused and lied about. Here I am facing health difficulties, facing depression and facing despair alone. Instead, what we find in this passage is this call, can we begin to rejoice that we are not alone in our suffering and that it's not wasted and that Jesus is using what he's doing in and through our lives and in and through our suffering to take the gospel to our blocks and to our town and to our communities and to our world. Can we begin to have this mentality that, oh, there's a secret that you can get out of suffering if you just pray this prayer or do this thing or stop thinking these things. No, this, the call in this is to dig deeply into Christ because he is the secret to suffering because he suffers with us. And he is using that to transform us and to transform the world. The first time I was in seminary, about, I was 22, so most of you guys know a lot of that story, I took a preaching class. And in that class... I preached, we preached sermons, got critiques from the professor and from the other guys in the class. And one guy said, you preached a good sermon, but I don't think you believe this. And at the time, I was indignant and was like, how dare you say something so harsh and unkind that I am preaching something from the Bible and you say that I don't believe it. And what I came to realize, and that guy's message began to haunt me because I realized that I actually didn't. I wouldn't deny it outright, but deep in my heart, I couldn't, I, I couldn't preach it faithfully because I struggled so much in that moment to talk about the goodness of God in the middle of suffering. That, that, that voice has carried with me through the years that I, I don't want to preach something that I don't believe. And so, if I'm honest with you today, this passage is really hard. The last six months have been very difficult. And so I, I see this, and he says, we are called to suffer with Christ. And so, honestly, I'm not good at suffering with Christ. I'm not good at this invitation to, to suffer with Christ and say, Jesus, I have to go through these things for the neighbors on my right and on my left, and for the people in these towns, and for the people in Cascade, to get the chance to hear the gospel. But this passage is calling me and you to say, you know what, the suffering that I'm going through is not actually for me. It's actually for somebody else. God, don't waste it in my life. God, don't waste this in my life. I don't like it. I want to crawl up underneath a 
weighted blanket and cry myself to sleep, but you have said that the, you, the sufferings of your people are your sufferings, and it will take that kind of suffering for the people in this place and in the world and in Bosnia to get the chance to hear this kind of gospel. And so this passage says the secret to suffering is to suffer with Christ. The secret to this kind of suffering is to suffer with Christ and rejoice that we actually get to commune with Christ and that he is using it to transform both us and our families and our communities. Can we dig into Christ for all the secrets of God and suffer with him? The third action we find in this passage is to proclaim Christ. Verse 29, 25 says, I have become its servant by the commission of God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul here says, I am not just here doing the things that I want to do, breezing through life. I actually have a commission from God to preach Christ to you because that is the thing that you need. My commission is not just, I think that this is worth it. I think this is a good strategy and a profitable way for me to spend my life. But I have a commission from God to present the word of God in all its fullness and point to Jesus. He says, the method that I use is to proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And the goal that I have is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Paul is kidding head on these people that come in with a secret and say, well, but this is going to be the way. This is how you will get ahead in the Christian life. This is how you're going to suffer well. This is going to be how you can be secure. And they use all sorts of methods and secrets and spiritual language and spiritual talk. And Paul says, no, my mandate is to take the word of God and point to Jesus and point to Jesus and point to Jesus and point to Jesus because that will be the thing that makes us mature in Christ. And so the mandate to Paul, for Paul is also a call to every believer to say, my call on my, in my family and my call on my block and my call in my life is to point to Christ and point to Christ and point to Christ. Is the secret more wisdom? Is the secret more strategy? Is the secret more giftedness? Is the secret getting all of the things right? Or is the secret, this is Christ? crucified for you, the power to change you from the inside out, to give you an identity that is not your own, that you cannot earn, and that you can never outlast and outrun. That's the message of Paul's ministry. Paul, who had so much of his own righteousness, who did so many things right, Paul, who had been to the right schools and was born to the right family and had done all of the things that you're supposed to do, who was gifted in so many different ways, instead goes from place to place, living in poverty, being misunderstood and being persecuted and being driven out and saying, I'm just going to point to Jesus over and over and over. I'm going to point to Jesus because this is my commission, this is the method, this is the goal. Jesus is the one that we point to. That's why we've made it one of our core values here you are, not you should. So much of life, and in particular of religion, 
is filled with people saying, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And the call to Belgium Community Church is to be a community that says, this is who you are in Christ. This is what Christ is doing in and through you. We're not going to tell you, here's the list of things to do. We're actually going to come to you with a list of the things that Christ has done for you. We are, going to, we are called to be a community that says you are. This is who you can be in Christ, not what you have to do for God. The call to Belgium Community Church is to say this is, this is the method. We are going to point to Jesus and we're going to do it over and we're going to do it over and we're going to do it over. We're going to do it for husbands and wives. We're going to do it for single adults. We're going to do it for kids. We're going to teach parents to raise their kids pointing to Jesus. We're going to to teach people to in their blocks and in their workplaces say this is Jesus. This is Jesus who gave himself for you. That's one of the reasons that starting next week that we're starting a group called Gospel Revolution because we believe it is so critical and so counterintuitive For the church to say the gospel of God that reconciles us to God actually changes us from the inside out, changing everything. One of the things that I've been amazed at is that so many people go, I have lived my life in this church or in that church. I have been far from God, never been involved in church. And this is radical. It's not just one person, oh, somebody said, oh, this is really good. People consistently say, I've never heard anything like this, that an identity and a power coming from Christ can change me from the inside out. I've never heard anything like that. And to see the light bulb goes on in somebody's face, is, that is what we're called to do, is to be sharing that with each other. And so if you're here and you've not been through that group, I, I've invited some people very specifically But uh, this is a group that is so absolutely critical. It is so bare bones. But for most people, they say, I've never heard anything like this. And so if you're here going, is that for me? Yes, it is. It is for totally for you. To to go into that kind of group and see that Christ gives me a power and an identity and begins changing me from the inside out. Not with a list of rules, but instead with a message about Jesus. If you hear that and you go, well, maybe... That is for me. Please go sign up in the lobby. Grab me. Grab Becky Christensen, who's going to be leading that this next, these next eight weeks. Because it is so critical that our commission and our method and our goal be to lift up Christ, crucified for us, and giving himself to us. The third action that we find, the third action to find God's treasures in Christ is to defend with Christ. Verses 1, and, one through 5 in chapter 2 says... I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, struggling for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This, these verses call us to defend with Christ. He begins by recapping everything else he said. He talks about suffering and struggle. He talks about being uh, encouraged in heart, united in love, understanding the mystery of Christ. And then he says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. 
He says, I am suffering for you, and I am laying out Christ for you because people will come and say, but what about this? Doesn't this make sense? Isn't this the way to go? And they begin pointing to other ways and with fine-sounding arguments. And Paul says, be very aware of anybody who is not proclaiming Christ. Fine-sounding arguments can be deceptive, and they can cause us to go, wow, that makes sense. That seems like it would be helpful. Paul says, no, you must defend with Christ because people will try to take you captive and to steer you the wrong way. Paul says the secret is Christ. So, in a, in a world that says, here are the secrets, this is the way to go, Paul comes and says, no, dig into Christ for all the secrets of God. Dig into Christ. Find your security in Christ, suffer with Christ, proclaim Christ, defend with Christ. And on some level, we read that and go, okay, ah, let, me, let me try and work on one of those this week, and I'll work on another one next week, and we can do this. But if I'm being honest, finding my security in Christ is so incredibly hard when I just want things to be fixed. I just want to make sure that I'm okay. It's so hard to suffer with Christ when I just want to stop suffering. It's so hard to proclaim Christ when there's so many other things that seem like they would be helpful to marriages and to families. It's so hard to defend against the lies when we're surrounded with messages that sound so good. And so where is the hope for those of us that are condemned by this? This passage with the law of God should be so high that we say, I don't find my security in Christ. I don't suffer very well. I don't proclaim Christ very often. And I am taken captive by fine-sounding arguments. Where is the hope for somebody like me in this passage? Where is the hope for somebody like me? We return to verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. But now he has reconciled you. That but goes off like a gunshot. But now he has reconciled you. You haven't reconciled yourselves. He has reconciled you giving you his record of finding his security in his father. He is the one who suffered perfectly in your place so that you don't have to try and earn the record of good sufferer. He is the one that has proclaimed the truth of God, declaring himself in the scriptures from beginning to last. He is the one. He is the one who is not taken captive by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and their fine-sounding arguments, and yet he died in your place, so that his record can be yours, so that his record can be mine, so that we can have his identity and his power and his record. And so then we can go to Christ for all the secrets of God, not trying to earn something, but to say, look at this life. Look at what we find when we look at Christ. If you have questions about that, if you say, Joe, I want to know for sure, I want to make sure that I am the one who is coming to Christ, being reconciled to God, please come and grab me after the service. I would be glad to share with you, to pray with you, so that you can know for sure that your security is not your own, but it is Christ's. So then this passage, what changes when we begin to live in this kind of, my security is in Christ, Somebody else can tell me secrets and they might be helpful, but I don't have to, I don't have to run to them for security. But I can suffer with Christ. And so no diagnosis, no despair, no attacks, no discouragement can, can actually change my status with God and I can know that Jesus is with me. 
What changes when we begin to proclaim Christ on our blocks, with our kids, in our workplaces, as we begin to say, this is what I know. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I am proclaiming Christ. And then we become a community that is not taken captive by fine-sounding arguments. Well, this would be a good way. This could be really helpful to this church. This could be really helpful for your spiritual life. Instead, we begin to be defended with the treasures of Christ. This passage says, here's the secret. The secret is Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it has a power, that it overwhelms the fine-sounding arguments of the world. May, May our faith and may our hope be based on your words about Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. There is not a square inch in the world domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine.